0: hi guys hey guys oh sorry <laughs> go ahead hey guys i'm jewel wicker and i'm Kamika mccoy and this is another episode our first episode i'm gonna start over let's start over <laughs> <laughs> we fuck it up already
1: hey guys i'm jewel wicker
0: i'm Kamika mccoy and welcome to another episode of love pop culture the podcast where we talk about love pop culture and everything in between so kamiko what have you been up to So this morning I I managed to wake up on time, do a little grocery shopping, and then do my hair. I learned something very interesting. So every time that I would do my hair, like I would wet it and then I would put hair gel in it and then like slick it back into a bun. But I always had like this weird whale hump on the back of my head. And I couldn't like like a dolphin fin, like I couldn't figure out. I watched a couple of YouTube videos. Joel, I don't know if you knew this, but if you separate it into sections, you can get it into a nice sleek ponytail, all back. And look like your mama raised you right. I'm so excited yeah. to go out into the world.
1: I went to uh, the University YouTube University. I watch their <laughs> videos all the time, so I already knew this. But I'm glad that you now have discovered this information. Congratulations to Kamiko McCoy in uh, Brooklyn. Ain't that where you at? <laughs> that is where I'm at, Brooklyn. <laughs> shout out to shout out to uh, Kamiko in Brooklyn for figuring out that she has to section her hair to get product. Uh, evenly dispersed.
0: <laughs> you know what? I thought I was out here with what? 3A? 2B? You can you know.
1: <laughs> you can have. You couldn't have about that. It's fine. We're going to move on. We're going to. So on this episode of uh, Love Pop Culture, we're actually not going to spend the entire episode talking about Kamikos. hair. We, we are um, going to discuss a number of things, including trauma watching and our thoughts on shows like Euphoria and Big Little Lies and shows that can be pretty triggering um, and finding ways to navigate that.
0: Um, so you said actually before we hit record that you finally uh, made it through a couple episodes of Euphoria, correct? Also, shout out to Zendaya because if I'm not mistaken, they just got renewed for
1: season two. Yeah, so I watched um, the first two episodes of Euphoria. Um, I'm late, but I watched them a few nights ago, and um, it was, I'm not gonna lie, it was a pretty hard watch for me. I don't like shows, which I don't like shows with uh, like a lot of heavy drug use. I, my mm-hmm. family has a history of. Um, Drug addiction, and so it's just something that's I don't, it's not fun for me to watch, which is interesting because I love watching music biopics and things like that, but they often have a lot of drugs in them, and so they're usually hard for me to watch. Um, and so I watched Euphoria, it was a really, really hard watch for me. I thought Zendaya does a fabulous job, I was really impressed with all of the, the, um, the talent in the show and even the writing in the show, but it was just really hard for me to watch. And I was trying to decide decide if I was going to keep going. Is this a show that I can see myself continuing to watch despite the fact that it is hard for me to watch? Because there are some shows that are triggering for me, but I try to create a safe space and push through them because I think that they are, they have an interesting message or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I read a piece by Soraya McDonald, who is a critic for the Undefeated ESPN's um, culture website. And she brought up an interesting point and and, kind of said, yes, there is a lot of sex and a lot of drugs and euphoria, but pay attention to what it's trying to say beyond that and kind of what it's saying about this uh, online generation of You know, Generation Z, and kind of the effects of this like constantly online, constantly being recorded, constantly um, having your life publicized, and what the effects of that are on the psyche of teenagers and on their decisions and on how they are forming their personalities. Um, And I thought that was a really fair point. She brought up a point of, you know, in Game of Thrones, there's a lot of rape and there's a lot of sex in the show, but the rape and sex you know, as much as we criticize it, also really showcase the patriarchal nature of um, the world in which Game of Thrones was filmed in. And so you know, trying to take a look at things in that perspective and looking at, yeah, there's a lot of sex and there's a lot of uh, drug use in Euphoria, but paying attention to what it's saying about the world in which um, these characters live in, which is present day America, right? In suburbs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought she made a good point. I haven't yet decided if I am going to continue watch the show just because of my own personal triggers, but I thought she yeah. made a good point um, in that I don't think it's a complete throwaway either. This is fair. I think I'm probably part of the camp where... I
0: gave it a shot, but, like, I couldn't I couldn't get through watching it. It's kind of, like, in the same vein as, like, 13 Reasons Why and other shows like that. Like, the type of person that I am, like, I experience, like, PTSD after a show like that. Like, even after watching When They See Us, like, I couldn't quite come back to um, just feeling, like, you know, like, even, like, walking through Harlem, I'm just like, damn, like, this, like, police brutality happened all out here. Like, walking through Brooklyn, I'm like, there's Crown House. There was, like, the Crown Heights, um... Riots and like things like that, like I feel like that's always on my brain after watching shows like that. So I feel like Euphoria was kind of like the same triggering thing. But I mean, it is worth watching it to understand, especially if you're not, if you didn't grow up like that. I didn't have any friends that or family members that were drug addicted. I didn't have anybody who was like transitioning or anything like that. You know, so I feel like. It does lend itself to, if you were not exposed to that in real life, kind of like the harsh realities of what can happen um, by watching a show like that. And, you know, Zendaya does an incredible job. I didn't even know that she had something like that in her, but kudos to her for knocking that one out the park. Like, if I can't say anything else about Euphoria, Zendaya is killing it.
1: Yeah. And I I think, like... I don't know. I just think this generation is dealing with, and and I'm sure there were trans people that went to my school. or I'm sure there are people who suffer from drug addiction that went to my school, but I think it's less, like people are more open to talking about it now in our society, yeah. which I think is an amazing thing. I'm really happy that that's happening. And so I think this a show like this is able to exist today because of that. Like it may not have been able to exist for our generation because those things were still unfortunately Absolutely. not- and we weren't in a place where people were felt publicly comfortable to discuss these things. Um, right. And so I, I, I definitely think that, um, I don't know, I, I see a place for it. I haven't decided if I will continue to watch it, but, you know, kudos to everybody who's doing the show. And hopefully, you know, I ultimately don't have to see myself in this show because it's not for my generation. You know, so I hope that the people whose generation it is supposed to be um, depicting, I hope that they feel seen in it. I mean, that's like me. Yeah. You know, that's like my mom watching Degrassi and being like, I don't get it. Well, you wouldn't. This isn't you your generation. You I know? didn't even think about that. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. Like Degrassi had like a lot of crazy. Yeah. This she shit. Or like Saved by it. the Bell. Like it was crazy for like their generation. So yeah. Yeah. Like I just, I, I think that, you know, um, she, I, I think that this isn't for our generation. We can enjoy it and we can watch it, but I don't know that we can critique it too much for it's like, for it being right. accurate because- This is, I mean, we graduated from high school 10 years ago, which it doesn't seem that long ago. I would like to hold on to my youth as long as possible, but 10 years is a significant amount of time for things to change in high school. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so I don't think we can say- Even like, I've had-
0: Discussions with my family members and like one of my family members is an educator and um, well, I have, a, I mean, there's several who are educators, but one in particular was kind of mentioning just like, oh, you know, started a conversation like, you know, I think today's kids um, may not be as tough as our generation was. And um, we actually the the younger generation kind of spoke up and was like, well, the thing that you the thing that, that you have to take into account is that a lot of times like the bully that followed you home on the bus, once you stepped through your front door, you didn't have to worry about them anymore. You know, that was kind of it. School ended when you, when the bell rang and you left. Whereas now you have online harassment and like things like that, where like they follow, not even it just follows you till the end of the day, into the school year, into the semester, it follows you the rest of your life. Like, you know, how many times has somebody said something on Twitter and it got brought up, you know, seven, eight years later?
1: Yeah. Or, I mean, I don't know. I just, and I also just think people just didn't talk about their traumas as much back then. They didn't, that didn't mean they didn't have them, but I don't know. It's just, we were talking a lot about, um, trauma watching in general. And like, you know, for me, Big Little Lies was another show that I had, that's a show that I have pushed through despite the fact that it was really triggering for me. Um, the, I, Mm -hmm. the portrayal of domestic violence to me is one of the most, um, it's one of the most accurate portrayals of domestic violence that I've seen on television, in terms of capturing right. the complexities of it. Um, and so, it, to me, it was so realistic that it was pretty triggering for me. And I, like, I remember like not being able to sleep after I've like binged the show. Um, yeah. But but I I pushed through it because I thought that it, it was such an important, it was so important for me to see such a realistic portrayal that I wanted to continue to watch it. And I want it to be a part of that discussion. Um, right. You know, but like even watching season two with um, Meryl Streep's character, Mary Louise, and kind of the rape denial that she does and kind of denying these women's experiences with being raped or being, uh, you know, abused in their marriage and things like that. It's really hard to watch, but also there, that is a real character. There are real people who, are like that and there are women who are having to deal with people even women who are denying their experiences of being hurt oh for sure um and so it's that one of feeds those...
0: into like the whole like ain't all skin folk ain't kin folk and like don't feel like just because this is a black person or just because there's a woman that they understand you know um one of the tweets that I've been seeing going around pretty frequently is just like sometimes it's not about equality sometimes it's about like the proximity that they can get to being part of the patriarchy and stuff like that so I feel like that's that's kind of like her character where it's just like mm, I don't know you know
1: yeah so I just I don't know I um, I, that's one of the shows I don't know what I'm, where I'm gonna land with euphoria but Big Little Lies is definitely one of the shows that I have um, forced myself to kind of su- not suffer through but I've forced myself to to get through because I think it is important and I think the conversation that's being had is one that you know needs to be continued <laughs> Little lies a few episodes ago, and they did some exposure therapy with Celeste where they had her imagine that she was still being abused by Perry. Mm -hmm. And I was like, This isn't this feels cruel. I don't know if this is okay. Is this ethical? Kind of the same things that Celeste was asking. Like they said it don't seem right. Um, but then I went to therapy like shortly thereafter, and I was having a pretty bad PTSD episode. Related to um, a really bad car accident that I was in, and my therapist was like, All right, let's do some exposure therapy for, with you. And I'd never heard of the term, I didn't know what it was. And um, so she explained it to me, and you know, it was like, This is something where we expose you to the thing that is triggering you or that is traumatizing you slowly over time so that it no longer holds that power. And she asked me to right. pull up a photo from my car accident and look at it, which is something that I actively avoid. I don't like looking at the picture. Um, and I remember being like, I don't know that this. Is this like thinking the same thing that I thought when I watched Big Little Lies? Is this ethical? Can you do this? And I went home and I did some reading. I have this workbook on anxiety and PTSD and all of the different types of anxieties. And exposure therapy was in there as one of the um, ways that, you know, people can overcome anxiety. And it's obviously not very uncomfortable, but it is a real, um, it is a real technique, a real technique that therapists do in order to get people through it. And so I really appreciate that Big Little Lies has clearly done their research and has clearly um, put thought into that relationship, the therapist and patient relationship that Celeste and her therapist have, and, and want to make sure that they're portraying it in a real way. I, I really appreciate that. I, I agree. Um,
0: not that I would know because I still haven't found a therapist, but I agree. Um... Speaking of that, um, I did not know how hard it would be to find one. Like, shouts to everybody who's managed to to snap one up to be able to have like kind of like that communication where it's just like I'm struggling with this this week. Like, how can like how can I approach this based on you know what what you know as a as a therapist, mental health specialist? Um, I thought it'd be like finding like a hairstylist or like a dentist, but after having like the first experience that I had. Um, with finding a therapist out here was like a rough one. Now I walked into the office, like there was no window, so it was soul sucking from jump. Um, and she started taking notes about me. And it was like on the back of another sheet of paper that had like somebody else's notes on them. And I was like, oh my God, oh my god. <laughs> wow.
1: Nobody told me <laughs> that it would be this hard. Yeah. I mean, I think, to find a good therapist. I had I'm on my fifth therapist, I wanna say, since college. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I had a therapist when I was in college. Um, and then I moved away, and so I went through two two therapists. Um, the first therapist in Harrisburg, when I lived there, ghosted me; did not respond to my like. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait a minute. I don't know where he went. I don't know where Shawty at. Um. <laughs> so I um. So I was like, okay, cool. So I found a second therapist, and I didn't. I don't think we were the perfect fit, but he was like fine for that like time. Um. And so I got. That therapist and then when I moved back home I tried going back to my therapist from when I lived here and I just found that you know I wasn't in college anymore I had more adult experiences and as a Young black woman at that point in my life, and still, it was really important to me in a way that it hadn't been before. That I had a black woman to talk to who was my therapist oh for because sure because I wanted I didn't want to have to explain the complexities of race or the complexities of being a woman, I, especially in, in a lot of the things that I was going to, through. I I was exhausted and having to further explain like humanity of being black or a woman just was not something that I wanted to go through at that time. Um, so when I came back first I found a woman therapist, but she wasn't black. Um, and I went to her, I think like twice and then I stopped going. And then I was like, I'm not going back to therapy. And I took maybe like two or three months off. And I remember, <laughs> I remember my best friend being like, yeah, so I know you're taking this break and that's cool, but you need to go back. And I was like, you don't tell me what to <laughs> do. You need to mind your business. And she was like, that's fine. But you know, I'll circle back in a few months cause you need to go back. And I was like, first of all, you to worry about yourself. <laughs> and I uh, was kind of like, I had an attitude about it. Um, and But she was right. And um, I want to say about a month or two later, I ended up going back to therapy. Um, and it was, it was really, um, it was important. And I found a black woman therapist and I've been with her ever since it's been about three years. And it, it was really important. And it, I'm glad that I went back and she was right. I'm glad I had a friend that called me out and was like, take, take your aspect of therapy and stop playing. Um, it was important. And now I have a therapist and I'm not saying that I'll be with her forever. Cause like I said, you can outgrow therapists, but she's really good for this point in my life. But yeah. I say that to say like, it's been a long journey and I don't think it's something that, you know, people, people underestimate how, how much of a oh, journey it is. Most definitely.
0: Yeah. Most definitely. And I think that's the perfect way to describe it. Like it's definitely a journey. Like you're going to hit road bumps. You're going to hit roadblocks. Like, and like, When I first started going to this lady, I had actually hit Jewel, and I was like, oh, my God, she doesn't have any windows in her office. I can't do this. And Jewel's just like, you know what? Give it a minute. Give it two or three more sessions and decide, like, is this really, is the windows the part that's really going to take you out? You know, like, give her a chance to see what she had to say. Um, I'm glad I did. I still said no in the end. But, you know, it it is a journey. It is something that you kind of have to, like, experience and get your hands dirty a little bit before you decide, like, okay, where do I move? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. So, It's been a journey, but I think it's one that's worthwhile. And so I hope that you will continue to do it. So on a lighter note, um, I know we want to kick off or um, end things on a lighter note, talking about some good things, uh, and so I have one. There is a um, man who started the Black Trans Travel Fund. He was um, frustrated with the number of Black women who, who Black trans women who have been killed um recently and was motivated to start the Black Trans Travel Fund for Black trans women um because he as a, he's a trans man and as a member of the trans community he asked um some of his you know friends what are some things as black trans women that you feel that you need what are some things that would make you feel safe and secure you know in this time and one of the things they said was that They often feel harassed and they often feel like they're put in harm's way when they're on public transportation. And so he created this travel fund um, as a means of giving them funding so that maybe they don't have to ride the bus or the train. Maybe they can take an Uber where they're not sharing an Uber pool so there's not multiple people in the car. Um, Or if they need gas money, they can take gas, you know, they can put gas in their car and they don't have to take public transportation. And he raised about $20,000 in the first two weeks. Um, Yeah, Indian War is one of his friends. Shout out to Indie Moore from Pose. She plays Angel, one of my favorite characters on the show. Um, and so India Moore is one of his friends and she posted about it on her Instagram stories and helped give him a little boost. And so he was able to raise, like like I said, $20,000 in about two weeks. And, you know, it sounds like a lot of money, but he, you know, he quickly said that he had already spent about 5000 of it. And so it goes pretty really quickly because it, it, there is a need for it. And so kudos to him. His name is Devin Lowe. Kudos to Devin for starting something like this. Although it is very sad that he has to start something like this because, you know, Black trans women and everyone should be safe wherever they go. They shouldn't have to feel like they're in danger just by trying to get from point A to point B. So it is unfortunate that he has to create Absolutely. this thing. But um, I do want to say kudos to him for stepping up and, and trying to make a difference um, in a very shitty circumstance.
0: And it's people like that, like, honestly, like, make the world go round. Um I've actually been, like, watching documentaries and studying um, since, like, maybe last year me and my sister kind of started a a small series of just kind of like unearthing history that's not normally taught like in schools or like you know not front and center um like i did not know excuse me about like the stonewall riots or like some of the lgbtq and trans women activists especially the ones who were on the forefront which were black trans women activists um like marsha and whatnot and i'm just like it's really incredible to see like that's like happening like still in our time you know and i really really hope that these people who are involved in this, like, get yeah, Yeah, right?
1: it's, it's been interesting to see um, some of these conversations come to the mainstream, because I think people who are a part of the LGBT community have known these stories for a long time. Um, and so I think there are pros and cons to these stories becoming mainstream. One is that they get diluted a lot of times by, like, white cisgender straight people who are like attempting to shed light on it but they don't always Mm -hmm. do a great job so that's unfortunate but then too it does um of course bring these stories to like I said cisgender straight people who might not often know it and so you know I think this has certainly been an interesting time my um
0: my big ups this week is um not nearly as as um well I guess I could be it could still be impactful um to everybody who's like showing up and showing out, um, being black on these TV shows, on these movies. So, with like the remake, um, of Bull Mermaid, oh, yeah, shout out. There's a bunch of people who are upset that uh, Hallie is gonna be cast as Ariel, um, but she's doing it, They'll so live. sucks to suck. Proud of her. <laughs> And then obviously um, Beyonce and Childish Gambino and everybody that's involved in the remake of The Lion King. I'm super excited. I can't wait to drag one of my friends to go see that yeah. with me. Yeah, um,
1: that's definitely gonna be a movie.
0: But it's just all types of <laughs> all types of black excellence that's happening like within that space from like you know. Um, I don't know. I feel like this is what it means to have like a seat at the table and representation, you know? I feel like so many times we kind of get cornered into being like the sassy black friend or like the sassy gay friend. Like you just don't have that space to be able to like venture out into like sci-fi mm-hmm. and like other stuff. And I feel like this is that moment where it's just like, you know, we're capable of so much more than like reliving traumatic experiences on film. So much more than being, like I said, like the sassy sidekick. So much more than being like the comedic relief. Like this to me is super, absolutely. super exciting. I
1: absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah. So always good um, always good to highlight some of the positive things. We live in such a um, stressful time and I know it's so easy to get wrapped up and it is important to get wrapped up in these important issues, but it's also um, kind of nice to take a second and... Uh, shout out to people who are doing amazing things and and you know some of us are stuck in our beds terribly depressed and can't move so shout out to the people who are like rallying yeah shout out shout out to both camps alright well we will be back in two weeks for another episode of Love Pop Culture I want to give a shout out to our editor Simon Illa thanks as always for being such a huge help and doing an amazing job um, and yeah we'll be back in two weeks
0: see you guys thanks for joining us
1: bye <laughs>